0: So welcome back, it's Guy Bartlett, I'm the founder of the Business Buyers Club and a co-founder of the Fidelis Group, a private investment company acquiring owner-managed businesses here in the UK. And I'm delighted uh, to welcome back Phil Jepson to our third video in the series where I'm interviewing Phil to understand more about his journey, his transition from a uh, highly paid employee in the legal profession to starting his own company, Coming to the realization that actually uh, that wasn't the answer, and what he wanted to do was find a way to build assets that would generate his income and his wealth for the future, um, build a legacy for him and his family, and all of those good things, really. And in the second video in the series, which, if you've not watched, go back and watch, it's really really fascinating. We explored what the moments of realization were, the reference points that we both had, which were very similar the process that we went through to identify the difference between owning a job and acquiring assets that, that generate revenue. So it's a really interesting series of components that we went through in that, in that previous video. So I'm really delighted to welcome Phil back today uh, to explore what happened next, how, we, how he and we went through a transitionary process. And we left Phil mulling over the letter that had landed on his desk from me I'm not sure whether I wrote it personally, but anyway, it landed on his desk. And, and then the, uh, the relationship that we've de- developed since and the, the process that Phil's gone through to get him to where he is today. So welcome back, Phil. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Good to see you again. Back in the chair. <laughs> it's looking like we've never moved. It is almost, yes. <laughs> so um, in the last video, we talked a lot about um, that whole exploration of mindset and knowledge, and they're uh, almost like trigger points, the things that, that got us to think differently. And you mentioned uh, very kindly that kind of letter landed on your desk and kind of changed your life. So, talk us through the thought process then. So, you got this letter and you went, Oh, that's interesting. What was the thought process that went through your mind? And you know, tell the viewers what you then started to explore and, and, and how our relationship developed, really?
1: It was actually a bit different to that. It wasn't a case of this is interesting, it was a case of <laughs> Bloody hell. (laughs) Um, Because uh, I mean, by that time, I would got a lot of built up frustration. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I knew there were things I wanted to do. I knew I didn't know how to do them. I'd done a lot of the mindset work. So it was like everything was ready to go. So there's this kind of big head of steam built up. And this just, it was just, yes. I literally, that was, what what went through my head was, where do I sign? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that was pretty much even before we spoke. So yeah, yeah. you would have had to do a lot to put me off <laughs> at that point. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, Not that you so, made it easy for me, but that's well, that's fine. No, that's well, where so would the fun where would yeah, the fun have exactly. been? But yeah. um, so I just wanted to I just wanted to know more, and I think I picked up the phone and yeah. called you pretty much straight away to have an initial conversation around, look, yeah. this is really interesting. So how, yeah. you know, where do we go from here? How do we develop this? So
0: my recollection was that we spent quite a bit of time, particularly on my side, kind of really digging into your reasons why. Mm. It wasn't a case of, great, Phil, sign here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, it was one of the things that mattered to me was why you were doing it, um, what, what chance of success you would have in investing in the process, because by then, the price point was quite high, significantly higher than anybody else in the marketplace. Did you did you do any comparisons between what I was offering and, and others, because there are one or two other people, apparently, in the marketplace?
1: Um, yeah, and I probably should have done, actually, but um, I didn't, and that was partly because I bought into you and the approach mm-hmm. that you were taking it just yeah. it just fitted yeah Um. so I knew I wanted to do it mm. um, and the price point was an interesting thing because it was quite high it was quite a significant investment mm-hmm. and actually at the, at the time where I was saying yes I want to do this I wasn't actually sure how I was gonna pay for it yeah because I, yeah. I didn't have I didn't have the money sat in the bank. So Mm -hmm. I was saying yes to doing something without actually knowing (laughs) how I was gonna pay for it. But it was a bit, it it was weird because it was a bit like when we started the business and I said to you, I had the confidence I knew it was gonna work. At that point in time, it was the same thing. I just knew, I knew I would find a way because I knew it was was just right. It was the right thing and it was the right time. So I just knew that I would find a way to do it. Yeah,
0: and I think, I think an important part of that process was that I, um, I also almost insisted that you speak to some of the other mentees and get testimonials, not the word I would use, but get their impressions and their feedback and, uh, and, and get a sense of the process that yeah. we described and the time we'd spend together and the, and, the, and the coaching, the one-to-one support, as well as the group environment. Yeah. Was was that a useful thing for you as well, despite the the enthusiasm, just getting that sense, Jack? Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was really good to speak to spoke to a couple of people who who had done it. They'd yep. been through the course and they had made acquisitions yep. and they were you know, well well on the road. One yep. of them had, had done the second acquisition, um, so that was great. The other the other thing which really got me over the line in terms of the size of the investment was your confidence to the point that you said, you may not remember saying this actually, but (laughs) I want, I'm putting it on record right now. Um, you'd said you should get a deal within 12 months or so. Yeah. If you don't get a deal within 12 months, I'm going to come and I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to do it together. Yeah. And if we don't get a deal in two years, I'll give you your money back. Yeah. That was what you said.
0: Yeah. And it worked. We did do it, didn't we? And there was quite a bit of hand we holding to be fair.
1: We we, we did. We yeah. did do it. Yeah. But that that you know, if I needed mm-hmm. something to yeah. get me over the line, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Because that's you saying I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah. Or you were putting my money where your mouth was, but.
0: <laughs> and I think I think for me that was always the 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 key component in the founding of the Business Buyers Club was I'd looked at other people's models. Um, you know, I'd been out to um, I've been out to Spain, um, spent some time with Jeremy Harbour at the Harbour Club. Despite what Jeremy thinks, it was very much a case of it's great. You know, ninety-five percent of what he was talking about was my own experience, but I differentiated myself because of my focus was on buying profitable companies. I'm not really a fan of turnaround, and Jeremy's expertise is in that area. It certainly was at the time. So I, I didn't feel there was any sense of competition. We could we could each plow our furrow, really. Um, but was interesting, um, Jeremy's course is a lot shorter. Shorter, sharper, great content, but a bit sort of general, in a sense. You know, you, you've got to execute. Uh, and I spent some time talking to some of his Mentees and found almost to a person that they hadn't actually done anything. You know, they, like me, found the content great, um, really good, sharp guy, interesting guy to spend time with, but you know, almost exclusively came back and said, Well, you know, life gets in the way. I've got a business to run, I've got day to day activities, and deal flow is quite hard to do, so it kind of ebbed and ebbed away. And it was crucial for me that in doing what we do we would try to defeat that challenge and I think hopefully you'd agree that the way that we run around the programme um, that the regular meetings but also the the coaching calls, the support mechanisms in between, very much the glue that helped to keep you focused on the process. Yeah definitely
1: fair? yeah yeah I mean spending I mean, we've, we've still got one to go if we have a Actually, get to do it, but we spending spending ten days over the course of a year, ten full days with mm. a small group of people, yeah. and you and your team, um, that that kind of gives you those foundation yeah. points. But then, in between that, the weekly weekly calls, which yeah. is a chance to say, "I've got this. What do you think?" Mm-hmm. And also a chance to see what everyone else is doing where they're up to is that's it's that that makes the difference really yeah because a lot of the other stuff that the factual content stuff a lot of it you can find yeah elsewhere yeah but it, it's it is it's a long process yeah and you need support through it yeah
0: on the basis that everything i've done is essentially self-taught then anyone can you know go and find the source material figure it out for themselves copy and paste to a large extent there's nothing really fundamentally that's kind of unique to to what we do I think the secret sauce is the experience it's the sharing of well we did this that didn't work we did this and that worked and that community you know we built a community in in the business buyers club and um, when we hold the quarterly club meetings it's great fun I think you've been to one or more of those and you get people at all different stages in the process, so get a chance to swap experience and make contacts, it's good networking and so on, and that's a, a really important component as well. Um, and, and, it, and it is a complete immersive process, really, that you either dive into, which you did, um, or you kind of paddle around in, in, mm. the, you know, in, the, yeah. in the shallow end, which, until you're ready to, to go and dive in. Which and, a few of my contemporaries
1: are doing. But yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but you've really kind of embraced it, gone for it, yeah. and, and, and reaped the reward. So I just want to talk about that in a bit more detail. And so we teach a whole series of components and that's backed up with the online um, tool, the Business Buying Blueprint, which helps you to kind of keep the, the components yeah. in a logical order. But we talked in the previous video about self-motivation, yeah. the desire, the persistence that's necessary, like anything in life, really. Yeah. But one of the challenges that everybody... Involved in the process is going to find is deal flow yeah one of the things that marks you out I think as exceptional compared to a lot of people in this uh, in this sector if you like uh, the, the the process of buying companies is your ability to develop deal flow, mm-hmm. so just share with me and the audience a little bit more about your experience of that, the things that we taught and how you developed your own process if yep. uh, if you don't mind
1: yes I mean. One thing you get told at the outset that makes you roll your eyes a bit because it's like yeah you would say this wouldn't you um is the thing about it, it's a numbers game building mm. a funnel all that stuff yeah because um, you, until you've actually done it you, you don't really understand th- the truth of that yeah. um but it is it is a numbers game yeah um you need to talk to a lot of people you need to you need to develop a lot of leads, if you like, if you want to get anything out of the other end of the funnel. Yep. And that's simply because there are so many reasons along the way why things can just drop out. Yep. Even the ones that look fantastic yep. can just overnight just disappear. Yep. Um, and so you have to, well, firstly, you've got to put the time into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I started out spending a full day a week just developing leads. Yeah fairly quickly that wasn't enough mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so
1: it became two then three <laughs> and so on yeah. um, but also i was lucky in that as i got into it i enjoyed it yeah yeah i enjoyed the experience of looking at lots of different businesses in yeah. lots of different fields and yeah. you'll you'll recall that one or two of them were a bit out there <laughs> um, We
0: definitely had a few conversations along the lines of phil why are you looking at this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah. the exotic. Um, <laughs> to yank you back again. Yeah, yeah
1: which is, it was good. But yeah. I, I yeah. really enjoyed the process of looking at them. I look, I enjoyed the process of looking at the mm. accounts and the numbers. And then even more so when I actually got on the phone and started talking to the business owners. Yeah. Yeah. What a great bunch of people that mm. they, they've been. I mean, all right, some of them have been misguided. Some of them have had odd ideas about the values of their businesses yeah. and whatever, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I need a million quid.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> for, um, my, for my £250,000 turnover yeah. company. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to offer me for my business? Yeah. Well, this business is worth 1.25 million. Well, I want 10. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> exactly. All of that. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um, but I, I've I just found it a really interesting experience. Mm. So that's helped. That's helped keep me going. Mm. And I mean, I was lucky in that, um, one came out of the end of the funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, there are things you can do along the way yep. to make your ratios better. I mean, you get yep. better at it the more you do. And yep. early on, you will burn some mm. leads. Yes. But if you put enough in at one end, you'll get something out the other. Yep. And it is, and throughout the whole process, it's about keeping the handle turning yes. and just keeping working away at it. Yeah. So. And that's driven by, in my case, interest in it, but also it's your passion and your commitment, Mm -hmm. persistence. You've just got to, it's grit, determination. Yeah. You've got to keep going. Yeah.
0: Just just on on the specific sense, so one of the things that I always talk about, and um, I've talked about frequently in in other videos, but also in, in the group sessions, is this idea that there is a, a component which is, if you like, scientific, it's a numbers yeah. exercise, crunching through the numbers. But the vast majority of, of deal flow and doing deals is a, an emotional exercise. In your experience, having gone through the process, would you agree on my assessment that 80 to 90% is emotional and 10 to 20% is, is technical? What's your yeah. feeling around that?
1: It's, well, even the numbers bit is emotional because people make decisions through emotion, not through reason, so mm-hmm. even when people are looking at numbers you'll to an extent you'll see what you want to see. Yes yeah yeah, yeah. depending on how you feel about it yeah so um, it's been it's one thing that I seem to be pretty good at and it's I mean it's a genuine thing is being able to build rapport with people, particularly when I speak to them over the phone early stages it's making people feel comfortable quite quickly with me and the the genuineness of the approach mm. and the genuineness of my interest in them and what they're doing yeah. um, that's really really important so it, yes it's all about people businesses are built on people yes they've got machines yes they've got systems but yeah ultimately it's all about people so the core
0: component is that rapport building yeah the the ability to empathize, understand, build rapport, yeah. get inside the head and the emotions of the, of the seller and to share some of your own thought processes with the seller. Uh, um, it seems to me that we're in agreement from experience that that's really the key to, to a successful yeah. transaction. Uh,
1: absolutely, it, it's, um, it's a difficult... Negotiating the, the sale and acquisition of a business Is a difficult process and within that process there are going to be some things will just slip into place but there's always going to be some things which are more challenging and where you've got to deal with it it's an issue yeah and without the rapport without liking each other um it will fall down at that point yeah and i think something that a lot of people miss is they think they've got to negotiate the best deal they can get, whichever side of the fence, yeah, 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 and this is particularly the case where the vendor has an advisor, because the advisor feels their duty is to negotiate the best possible deal they can get. Mm-hmm. What they forget, and I know you're really aware of this, is, is that after the deal's done, we've all got to live together. Yep. So, what you're dealing with here is not a normal commercial negotiation. Yeah. The nearest analogy that I can find to it is it's a prenup.
0: <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And
1: if you fall out in negotiating yeah. the prenup, yeah. the marriage is not going to be much fun. No. no. Or it's not going to happen. No. Because it's, it's not we're going to do a deal and then we're each going to walk away. Mm. Because almost invariably, after the deal is done. You're still this. bound together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are yeah. still tied together in, in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you need a platform, you need a foundation for that yeah. ongoing relationship.
0: I, I think that's a really, really good analogy. Um, the other thing that I wanted to explore is this idea around, and you've experienced it, is the the stresses and strains that occur where you've, you've got to first base, you, you kind of agree the deal in principle. You know, you've got funding in place you know the, the deal can can work both sides are gone yeah okay let's do this but then you've got to go through the the cycle of due diligence and discovery and yes. lifting the, the bonnet and seeing what the components of the engine really look like as opposed to just the sound yeah. of it and I know you found some really interesting stuff on that particular journey yeah. um, and some challenges and from the seller side I find I've experienced you know, what I call deal fatigue you know the, the, the process from a seller of having to be asked lots of um, detailed questions around their yeah. business. Some of us are kind of digging yeah. into their life mm-hmm. as a business owner and what they've done, and if that's not managed sensitively, there's a risk that a business owner can feel like you're prying into their every nook and cranny. Well, in yeah. truth, you are, yeah. because you know, you're stepping into their business, their mm-hmm. fiefdom. Um, so you've got to ask those questions, but there's a way in which that can be done. And without building rapport, would you agree that that's potentially really challenging yeah. and difficult? Yeah, it's you?
1: impossible. Yeah. Um, because every fibre in their body is wanted to scream at you, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. When you're asking the sort of questions you're asking. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that they they know, like, trust, respect. Yeah. You, otherwise, it gets really difficult.
0: And that no like and trust is really challenged, in my experience, when you've got outside advisors, you know, lawyers in particular, and you, you're an ex-lawyer, so you understand that more than most. Yeah. I find the law seems to train lawyers to be adversarial. It's very difficult to find collaborative lawyers mm. whose focus is on how do we find a way to do the deal as mm. opposed to how do I find a way to make me look really clever in the eyes of my client that I'm somehow protecting him, but actually preventing him from getting the deal done that allows him to move forward in his life? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you've know, you you've seen it, you've experienced it, you are a lawyer, but you've also employed lawyers and you've been through a similar process. I mean, what's yeah. your, what's your yeah. feeling around that?
1: Yeah. I was quite lucky on my recent transaction that I actually had lawyers who wanted the deal to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, in their case, from a financial point of view, it didn't actually make any difference because they wouldn't get paid anyway, but um, they they adopted a very commercial approach. I mean, they gave me sensible advice, but it was very commercially led. But that's probably the exception rather than the rule. And certainly we were seeing on the other side of the fence, the lawyers didn't adopt that stance. So we were having to uh, make accommodations on the points that weren't important, it was like, yeah, it's not important, let him have it yeah. because he's being silly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that important. So let's, you know, you but give the, it up.
0: The lawyers fill the gap word contest um, is something that I've railed against for a long time. It's why we tried and succeeded in building a little bit of a mini panel of law firms so that you've got sets of lawyers that understand the template documents, because that's what they are. The lawyers call them legal precedents, I think, standard precedents, and then they're adapted. And I've always had the philosophy that the heads of terms document is the deal. Mm. That's what you're seeking to achieve. The sale and purchase agreement should reflect the heads of terms. The sale and purchase agreement is the the contract document that translates the heads of terms, which is what the parties have agreed to do, into the subsequent yeah. um, you know resulting contract. Uh, and I find sometimes that uh, lawyers that are not familiar with the process or geared towards an outcome end up picking holes because it makes them look good yeah. or yeah. You know, they, they have a false impression of what we as a buyer are actually trying to achieve. We're not there to stiff the seller mm. because, as you rightly say, what comes afterwards, when they've gone and their fees have been paid, we've got to work together. Mm. And I'm never going to step into a situation where my seller is going to think I've been stiffed because I'm gonna have to have some kind of communication, some relationship with the seller. And that's just gonna tarnish that from day one. And I first experienced that back in um, 1998, I think it was, 1999, when my first taste of M&A was helping my then boss to sell his business uh, in order to raise working capital. And on the day of completion, I remember vividly sitting in the lawyer's offices in Manchester and our lawyer coming in going, um, well, before we signed, they've now changed the terms. And they, instead of, I think it was 60% of the shares being sold, they upped it to 75, which has a key component of triggering control as well, for the same money. But of course, at that point, we're about to do the deal. And we've, we've mentally, emotionally committed to the deal. We've got the money to spend. It's working capital to take the business forward. And you're going through this whole thing of, oh my god, if we say no now, what are we going to do? We've got no money. All the things that we've put in train, you know, the, the, the buyer and the seller. And, and so they squeezed him, really squeezed him. But, yeah, they got a short-term victory, but in the long run, didn't work out at all. And that's always colored my whole approach to doing deals because I never want to have that relationship with a seller afterwards. You know, I want it to be a harmonious process. Yeah. I'm not sure of things to do, and the last thing I want is start having a fight from day one with a seller. Would you agree? Yeah. Do you think? Oh, that makes absolutely.
1: Sense? And I mean, the thing is, the deal is never done until you sign the documents. Yeah. Um, I mean, with mine, we had we'd agreed all the major points of principle, mm-hmm. and on the day before we were due to complete the deal, mm-hmm. we were arguing about who is responsible for the maintenance of the windows in the building. <laughs> But it was, it was a stupid point. But um, it could have killed the deal. Yeah. Because that's the kind of thing that people dig the heels in over. Yeah. And basically, it's the deal fatigue thing. Yeah. Just tell them to get stuffed. Yeah. It's so yeah. yeah. So I I had to I had to pick up the phone to the the seller's accountant who was to be fair to him, was brilliant throughout the deal. Yeah. And say to him, look, can you just have a word and find out what what the issue is on yeah. your side? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I don't understand it, because to me, what we're saying makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, And and he did that, and he came back and he said, basically, he's just worried that you're gonna walk in and say, we've got to pay for all the windows to be replaced in the building. Yeah. Yeah, and I went, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. All I want to make sure is that that they're in serviceable condition and they're not letting water in. Yeah, anything other than that, I don't care about. It's a factory. It's
0: a brilliant, brilliant I don't, example. I of, don't
1: care about it. So absolutely. he went, why don't we just agree that yeah. that we're they're responsible, but they've only yeah. got to keep them in a serviceable condition. Yeah,
0: and 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 it's that that's where the relationship is so crucial because in your mind you're just thinking on a real practical level, what if there's a problem, how do we, how do we fix mm. it? He's thinking, oh my God, am I being lined up to get stiffed? And, yeah. and they diametrically do two different thought processes, yeah. but if, unless there's a way that you can come yeah. together and kind of laugh about it and go, all oh, right, okay, no, that's not what I intended, yeah. then it can be a deal breaker yeah. right at that yeah. crucial moment. Yeah. I mean, I've, had, I've, had, I've had a deal fall over three days before completion Because the lawyer acting for the sellers said to the seller, barefaced, you'll never see your deferred money. Even though it was backed up by a share charge, even though it was backed up by security. Why? Because the lawyer was on a retainer. They were retained at quite a high retainer for that business. And and they or she knew that the first thing we'd get rid of was her retainer. Because it it, it represented no value to the company. So it was her opportunity to kill the deal and keep the retainer and subsequently then put in a £70,000 bill for her advice in the transaction for a business turning over, from memory, about two million quid. It was absolutely outrageous, but that's a true story. So, and I've had other examples of deals fall over on the day, money in the bank, ready to go, and the seller gets what we call seller's remorse. Something happens that triggers a doubt, a concern, a worry, and they go, oh, I don't want to do this. So that whole emotional content is, is massive and that ability to build that rapport uh, is, is critical, yeah, really. Absolutely. Would you go so far as to say, just to explore the topic, if you feel that that rapport's not there, would you, would you pull out from a deal? If you felt that you couldn't build that, what, what's your feeling around that?
1: I would have given you a different answer six months ago, or probably even three months ago, than the one I'm going to give you now. <laughs> um, what I would have said is, Oh, we'll sort it. We'll find a way around it. Mm. Mm. Don't worry. We don't need them. Yeah. Um, what I would say now is you're probably wasting your time. Yeah. Um, because it, it's just so important to get actually get you to complete the deal in the first place, but then yeah. f- for everything that happens afterwards. If you're not on the same page, if there isn't the alignment of values and the rapport, then don't do it yeah yeah yeah
0: because time time's the one asset we can never get back yeah. you know time is is finite um clocks ticking all the time we can make money lose money make money but we can't get time back and so that management of time is so crucial really because there's so many rabbit holes that we can run down um and just come to a dead end really um, so I, i'd agree around that so let's just um, move on um to the deal itself then yeah. so you found your deal. Um, you worked your way through all the due diligence challenges, and some of which were quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you completed. How do you feel? How did you feel doing the deal? And how did you feel the morning after when you went in there and went, "Oh, this is what I've really got."
1: Um, the completion itself was a little bit strange because we were in the midst of the lockdown. Yes. Yeah. so we had so to do celebrate. We had to do socially distanced completion, <laughs> um, which meant we weren't even. I wasn't even able to shake hands with, yes. the, with the husband and wife who would just sold me their business. Yeah, um, I'd taken along a couple of bottles of bubbly. Yeah. To, yeah. so I gave them a, a bottle, and we've got a photograph of of, of me and them sort of standing yeah. two meters apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with our bottles of champagne. Yeah. Um, but it felt. At that moment, it was partly... There was a, a sense of relief yeah. Yeah. that it had happened. I think that was probably the, the predominant thing. It was kind of relief. Yes, yes I've done it. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, at the time, you don't think about what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's happened, it's come off. Yeah. We're there. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, phone the wife and tell her. Um, the day after... Actually, the day after that, I felt really good. We t- we finished, we completed on a Friday, so I went into the business on a Monday, mm-hmm. um, and the seller hadn't told the workforce mm-hmm. that he was selling the business. Yeah. It's really common, really common. So he called yeah. this meeting. I think it was eleven o'clock on the Monday morning. Yeah. And he's a new boss? He stood there, and I'm stood there, <laughs> and the guys all come in, and it's like, yeah. eh, okay. Yeah. Who's this then? Yeah. Um yeah. And I'd been dressed up when I'd been going in there to look at the business beforehand, I'd been dressed up as being someone from the bank. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, why the bank here?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so he, <laughs> oh, he, good, a bank has bought us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he, he 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 made the announcement. And um, I mean, I, I. For me, sort of standing there in the midst of it, it was great. Um, it just felt really good, actually. I didn't have that, oh, crikey, what have I done? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, at least not at that stage. Um, I think that came a bit later. Yeah. But no, in yeah. fairness, it didn't. Um, yeah. It just felt really good. Yeah. Because it just feels so real. I mean, part of the thing is that the business I've bought is an engineering business. Mm-hmm. It makes things. I've yeah. never worked in a business that makes things. I've Man. always been in services. Services, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it, it's actually fascinating.
0: Uh, well, I, it's interesting because I, I had the same experience. I went from marketing services, which is stuff, you know, some output in terms of you know if you're doing direct mail, mailing packs mm-hmm. and so on. But essentially, stuff goes in the bin pretty quickly and it's forgotten about. Whereas, as you say, that permanency of a product, an end mm-hmm. product that gets used, you know, over the course of time is really quite rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of found myself yeah. in construction-related services. Um, and it is really quite rewarding. And it's the challenge for me, and, I, and we've talked about this, is how do you then remove yourself from the natural inclination to kind of get hands-on, roll your sleeves up, and avoid the temptation to then get involved in this interesting thing that makes things? Talk, yeah. us, talk us through that. Because I know you've, you've gone through that process of quite hands-on to, okay, now I need to pull myself back out. And you're back into deal flow. Uh, and opportunities. Yes. So, yeah. talk to yeah, that. Um,
1: I was helped a bit by the fact that I don't know anything about engineering. So actually, I couldn't get at the coal face even if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, I need to rely on the people who work there. Yeah. And the team that I've put together. Yeah. Um, which is which is a really really good little team actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to rely on them. Yeah. Because I, I literally don't have a choice. So. Um,
0: so let's just press pause, so very quickly, just to take that back a step, because this is something that we, we've talked about consistently in the programme, is that idea of what's the business model. And I talk a lot about MSOF, I've done it on countless videos, so marketing, sales, ops, finance. And you did a really smart thing for me, which was identify the gaps, the weaknesses. Obviously with a, an owner removing himself, you've got to look at what he does and fill that gap anyway in some form or other but you, you went a step further and said, right, I need fresh blood to come into this business. And you've done that very, very well. So just quickly talk yeah. us through that as
1: well. Um, there were, in, in this case, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a small business. There were 11 people working in the business. Mm. The owner and, well, to be fair, the co-owners, husband and wife, each performed particular roles inside the business. Mm. It was easy to understand what she did, because she ran the office and the yeah, admin. Yeah. So you immediately think, okay, I need someone to do that. Yeah. Um, with Steve, Steve's an engineer, time served engineer. And so obviously he ran the engineering side of it, but it was only actually when I got in there that I really started to understand what that,
0: yeah.
1: what that was.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I knew that I needed someone to replace. Steve, I didn't know exactly what that what that person looked like. As it turned out, he introduced me to the person who's now the general manager. I did a recruitment exercise, we didn't actually find anyone that mm. felt quite right. Mm. And Steve came up with a name um, of someone who'd actually apprenticed in that yep. business, then yep. moved away and done other stuff. Yep. Um, but Steve thought he had all the elements mm. and, and my attitude was, well, let's talk to the guy and find out. Yeah. Um, and um, I'd spoken to him on the phone. I also got a, a friend of mine to help me interview him. And we, we did a, a Zoom interview with Chris. And um, I turned to my friend afterwards and said, what do you think? And he went, he's your guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, we did that. So in a way, that's the obvious replacements for the owner. and. And, and is what are the, the co-owners but
0: I think what's just really interesting about that um, and this is something again that, that we've yeah. talked about in, in the group and uh, in other coaching and that's that thing of when you look at acquiring companies it's not necessarily about what do I know about engineering by your own admission nothing yeah. really uh, other than you know what an engineering product looks like but what you brought to it was the skill set and the knowledge and the expertise that you have so you had a background in, in recruitment yeah. so you could tap into that you also had an understanding of you know of business in and around really and that's yeah. something that I try to encourage people to understand and for business owners to see the benefit that you as a fresh pair of eyes and particular skill sets separate to what that business does um, you know we own scaffolding businesses I've never lifted a scaffolding pole in my life, but I understand the business model. I understand the processes to to take that business and grow it and scale it, which is what we've done. So and it's the same thing that we'd encourage is is that conversation around how can we do things differently and better in that business. I Um, did nearly miss something. Yeah,
1: I did nearly miss something actually, because in the run up to buying the business, I knew we needed to do marketing because it was the classic. They didn't, do, they didn't do marketing. So I'd got that budgeted for yeah. and in place. It was only after the deal when I first got in there, and I think Chris, the general manager, started a week after the deal was completed. I realized that we'd got a hole where sales needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we got marketing covered, but not, not sales. Yeah. Um, so then I had a, deci- a decision to make and the, the result of that was hiring a, yes. a business development manager, yeah. which I hadn't budgeted for. The yeah. costs of that weren't in the model. Mm. So that caused me a bit of trepidation, but I just thought that could be the difference between working mm-hmm. and not working. Yeah. So whether you budgeted for it or not, sometimes yeah. you've just got to do it. Yeah. Um, and that is the thing that will make the difference actually, yeah. is that, that yeah. sales capability. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's that marketing, sales, ops, finance piece. There's that rinse and repeat model that really, in truth, every business should have. Yeah, because
1: one bit's no use without the other.
0: So now you're, what, eight weeks, nine weeks in? Yeah, eight weeks. Give or take. Eight weeks last Friday. Yeah. Uh, And now you're already reducing your time commitment in there, and you've got new, fresh deal flow going on. So you've managed to sustain that in the background, and now you've got fresh opportunities. Yes. How do you feel... Do you feel that things have changed you now you're you're a tried and tested deal maker you've done a deal yeah does it change your perspective do you think it changes how people perceive you what's your take on that
1: it definitely changes how people perceive you all around the space because you're not a one trapreneur. yeah you've you've done a deal all right it's one deal but you've done a deal. So you've shown you can go through the process and come out the other end. So the jury's still out on me because there's a heck of a long way to go, but yes, I've done a deal. And people look at you differently because of that. Um, But also you feel different. Mm -hmm. And I've had one or two people say to me, there's something different about you. Yeah. And And it's not your lockdown haircut. It's not the lockdown haircut. No, it is, (laughs) and it is, It can only be that it's the fact that I've actually been through the process, come out the other end, and now I'm going. Okay, next.
0: Yeah, yeah, undaunted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Absolutely more experienced, undaunted. And and
1: doing the first deal has changed me because I'm now thinking differently about the businesses that I'm looking at, both in terms of the type of business, the sector, but also in terms of saying no to things that I would have allowed to slip through the net before, yeah. because I don't actually need, yeah. I'd like to do another deal before the end of the year, but if I don't, I don't, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't need a deal. I would like a deal, yeah. and that's the difference. Yeah. It was almost getting to a point, and you've seen this with other people, where they need to do a deal, yeah, and that's absolutely. where you've got to be careful. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. They try to squeeze an unproductive opportunity into the pot just to kind of go, oh, I've done a deal, uh, and and. Uh, you know it because I've, I've done it with you. It's like, whoa, tiger, you know, that's not the solution. That's yeah. not what you need to do. So, um, and even with, with the business that you acquired right close to the end, it was like, Ooh, should we still do this? Because you uncovered some stuff in due diligence that changed quite dramatically. And we're able to go, well, okay, let's separate the emotion of what we found from reality. And the, the fundamentals are still there, and we can still impact on it, and we still do good things with it, and that's pretty much how it's come about. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: and also we were able to restructure the deal as well to make it work. So.
0: Yeah. Very very cost effective for you. So and protected the business and still achieved the uh, the goal for the seller really. Yeah. So and that's what a great win-win is all about. It's good for you, it's good for him, and it's good for the business. Yeah. And those true. are the core fundamentals really. Yeah. So. But uh, that's brilliant. So. Thanks again Phil it's been fascinating. I think we've gone through a really interesting journey really in in, in Phil is a great example um one of my success stories but it don't don't you can't thank me for your success. That's the key thing. You've done it. You've put the hard work in and and achieved the success you deserve and it's always been a massive pleasure for me for everyone that i have been associated with where they've gone through that process and and, and achieved that and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll continue to support you on the, on the journey of, uh, of where you're going and the success. So I hope this uh, video series has been of interest. Um, we'll look to do some more interviews with other people uh, involved in the chain. No doubt Phil will be back in the chair at some stage. Uh, right. But if you've enjoyed the video, um, please do like and subscribe. Uh, it helps to promote the story in the algorithm. It's very much for me about sharing the reality, not the fluff, um, not the, um, you know, the, the the guru story of, oh, yeah, you can be rich, filthy rich from buying companies with none of your own money. It's not as simple as that. and um, There is complexity and you've got to take it uh, sensibly. But as I've said previously, it's the best thing you can do with your clothes on. So I hope you've enjoyed the video. Um, tune in for future videos. And uh, if you want, some feedback, uh, leave it for us. Um, We'd love to hear from viewers, uh, and we're happy to answer further questions on anything that this video or others in the series have stimulated for you. So until next time, cheerio.